Hello, everybody, and welcome to another sweet 16 episode of Fill in the Mic. I, as always, am Darren Michael, and with me, the man, the myth, the legend, back from D.C., where he attended Biden's first press conference yesterday, Mr. Phil Calise. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? And it is a sweet 16. That was a, it's a fun way to segue into our fun-filled March Madness. How are you doing today? I am, I am doing well. I'm doing well. You know, it's funny. I saw you. I saw you yesterday. I was watching a little bit of the press conference, and, and I saw you. You were in the back, and I really appreciate the fact that, you were, that your mask was a fill-in-the-mic mask. I thought that was great PR, but I was hoping that you were going to get a chance to ask your question because I know you were really curious about you know, if he is okay with his whole leg hair situation. I know that's what you were going to ask, and you didn't get a chance to ask it. So unfortunately, I, we didn't get that, that press that I was hoping for. I was going to get on, get, get a mic, rip it out of one of those reporters' hands. Not, <laughs> and I was going to look at, look at Joe and shout, Oral Roberts or Arkansas, let me know right now. <laughs> what I was going to do and see what he reacted to. And he probably would have had me booted and had no idea what I was talking about. You know, that's, about. that's something that you, I, I don't want to get into politics, but that's something you might, you might miss from Obama. Remember, he used to get on ESPN and he would do his picks every year and he would always be one versus two in the final, <laughs> in the grade eight and final. Did, did, let's, let's just say, let's just say, historically speaking, Barack Obama would not have had a good pick, would not have had a very good record this year with all the. You know what? He, he, <laughs> he, he picks brackets like my five year old picks brackets, which is to say, as I gave Luca my phone. <laughs> And my boys, my boys made a bunch of made a bunch of brackets yeah. this year. Luca could couldn't understand why you would ever take anybody over a one or two at three or a four. Okay. I was like, well, well, I was trying to explain to him. I was like, hey, buddy, you know there are upsets. It's called March Madness because things get crazy and all these upsets happen. And he goes, no way, no way. I'm taking. He's like, no way. I'm taking a seven over a two. No that's way. That's really funny. And I'm like, I hear, I hear you, kid. So I'm like, you're a big favorite guy. All right, good. To that, know. That's pretty funny. That's so. yeah. He he obviously didn't do so well in this tournament, but that's okay. You know what? He no. he probably has he probably has um, uh, three of his final four teams still left. So that's that's more impressive than most people so that's good a hundred percent he's got all four ones in the <laughs> you know, floor, i figured <laughs> yep. but um but man what a what a crazy crazy turn i know i know that every year there are some upsets and it's fun to watch and they always talk about the 12 and 5 but but it seems like this year i mean is it me or were there just an absurd amount of upsets and it wasn't 10 sevens it was no. 15s it was 13s it was 14s it was 11 i mean wow what what is going on out there this year yeah well first of all from 15 with the, the colossal upset that not only happened once but then oral roberts was able to make it two times unbelievable this week, getting to the sweet uh -huh. 16 there was there was a 15 or 14 all the way through there was at least one of every double digit seed with the exception of obviously no 16s right, right. but um Upsets galore, um, Big Ten failures, and we'll get into that. Um, the Big Ten's got got pie in the face. It's been an ugly Big Ten run. And not just the Big Ten, but I think they were the Chiefs going into this thing. We talked at nauseum about how good they were, and they did not come through for us. But I think it's fun. I think, it, you know, I think when you get the mix of upsets uh, like we've had, you get an, a, a lot of nice stories that you get to discover that you would have never heard about before. And it puts some of these colleges on the yeah. map. 
And let's face it, over the last two or three decades, all of us know names of schools because of March Madness. We would never otherwise know. And who who was the uh, who was the sixteen? Wasn't that UMBC that beat uh, that beat Virginia? You, UMBC, yeah, you know me. You're down with UMBC. <laughs> Nobody would have ever heard of them if not for March Madness. And there's so many other schools like that, right? There's just there's just so many that you're like. I remember Southern Illinois. My wife used to call them soil because they used to put the acronym on uh-huh. the thing and they used to pull off their share of upsets. Yeah. And there was just, Oh, there's just so many teams. Xavier became a household name because of the yeah. tournaments in the last couple yeah, of decades. That's true. So, so, so and Gonzaga, if you take Gonzaga, if basketball didn't exist, no one would know Gonzaga existed. Oh, there's um, no doubt. There's no so doubt. It's fun. It's neat. It's neat that March madness for two weeks in March can put a school on the map and, you can remember that school forever. So yeah, I love it. I love it. And then you know the the thing that really gets me excited. I mean, yeah, we have the we have the Oral Roberts. I mean, who the heck knows what or? I mean, I I said what did I say? To, I said to somebody the other day, you know, about Oral Roberts, and they're like, oh yeah, who is that guy? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, yes, that is a guy. You're right, but it's also the name of a university. And uh, my I was having a conversation with my mom, and she she pointed out to me. That Oral Roberts, their students have to sign this document saying that they won't drink, they won't smoke, they won't uh, have premarital okay. sex, they won't. So there's like this whole list of things that they can't do. And I said to her, I'm like, well, no wonder they're good at basketball. They got nothing. It's basketball and study and sleep. That's all they have to do. Basically, that's what it says. So um, let's go, Oral Roberts. But- Hey, that's a cool story, though. 15 seed in the Sweet 16. That's only happened once before. So it really, neat. it really is crazy. You know, it really is crazy. And and we're gonna look into that matchup uh, a little more because they they run into a real, real tough opponent now. But um, but you know, another another team, uh, Abilene Christian. Like, who would have ever ever heard of Abilene Christian? I mean, I I don't I, I know nothing about them. I think Abilene is in Texas, but that's all that's all mm-hmm. I know. And how and how ironic that they knocked Big Bad the, the Big Bad Texas Texas uh, Longhorns out of the mix. I mean that's yeah, amazing. I, they have bragging they have bragging rights on the Big Bad school from Texas forever. So. I mean how embarrassing is that uh, for Texas? I'm 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 sorry. It it just it it's just rough. And you know, well, yeah. No, I was just gonna say, and and a theme of the tournament, and I I shared it when we were doing the preview uh, last week was, I thought the tournament being in a central location would play well for the better teams and the favorites yep. because you take travel out of the mix. You kind of, you, you kind of take things that could catch the better team off guard. Maybe they had to go across country. Maybe they had, maybe they caught a team that they're better than, but they caught them closer to their backyard and it's a little bit of a tougher spot. I thought everything being centralized would help the better mm-hmm. teams. What I don't think I thought about as much is, because it's a COVID year, because there were some teams that didn't play all their games, some teams had layoffs due to, you know, COVID positive situations. It's possible that there was a lot of misseedings this year, more than most yeah, I can years. agree with that. Like, for, for instance, like a Loyola Chicago. Uh-huh. I mean, they're an eight seed, but there was a lot of people that said their backcourt was NBA yep. quality. And they they've they pummeled Illinois, who was yeah. supposed to be a team that was like, a surefire final four team from the big, bad, yep, big 10. Yep. And they beat them going away. And then you start to look at some of the losses, the big 10 took Iowa gets buried to yep. Oregon. Um, 
you start to realize like Ohio State is the team who lost to Oral yep. Roberts. And you start to look around and say, wait, if the top end of the Big Ten got just annihilated in some of these yep. spots, maybe the Big Ten was way overseeded because it wasn't the best year for the ACC. Yep. The Pac-12 seems to always get underrated because nobody sees That's them play. Right. Um, and you start looking around, you say, if you take the ACC out of the mix, who usually occupies some of the higher mm-hmm. seeds, they gave them all basically to the Big Ten. And clearly they watched the Big Ten a lot and they, they obviously beat each yep. other up and it helped the, the, the whole conference. But then in March, none of them came to play. And ironically, the only team still standing is the one that has a big injury, Michigan. Um, and they have to basically take the crown for the rest of the conference and try to hold them above water. But not a, not a good showing for the Big Ten. No, and I, I, think, I think they had nine teams in and they got one into the Sweet 16 and they had, I mean, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable the rankings that they had from some of these teams. And, um, you know, you and I talked about this off the air, and I thought it was a really interesting concept. I th- I'd like to maybe kind of touch on this a little bit. But, but yeah, the Big Ten, they are good. They're a good conference, and they're always a good conference. But you know what? One of the things that's definitely been exposed is their lack of racism. They really don't have the, the great athletes that some of these other schools have. And I think that it's really been been shown and revealed during this tournament. And so, you know, if I'm if I'm a Big Ten coach, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what, we may want to change how we recruit. You know, and the problem is with the Big Ten, I mean, you've got a lot of big, big bodies. You got a lot of big people and it's a very physical conference, you know. And I think that that maybe they're afraid to recruit some of these athletes because then you won't be able to bang on the inside with some of these other bigger teams. So I think it, it, it's a real quandary for people, for coaches in the Big Ten to figure out what to do, because, yeah, you can go into the Big Ten and you can have a good season. You can play well against these guys. But but going into the tournament, we're seeing that they are just getting beat on the athleticism end. And that's what's causing it. I mean, you know, Oregon is, is another one. I mean, they, they beat Iowa by, you know, I don't even know what's what's crazier, the fact that they beat Iowa by 15 or the fact that they scored 95 points. Yeah, and, and when you, no, it's a, it's a fair statement. And, and I think when you look into just objectively at some of these Big Ten performances, yeah. to the naked eye, you can quickly see they're not as athletic as the team they're facing. And that's always a recipe for a potential yeah, upset. Yeah. Because it means that Iowa, Ohio State, whoever you want to name, has to play way above what a team seated like they are needs to play right. to win a game. Like they don't have as margin of error that the ones, twos, threes, and fours typically have. Where usually if you're a top four seed, at least before you get to the Sweet 16, you are the obvious to the naked eye better yep. team. And in some of these matchups, they were – you know, even in that Michigan LSU yep. game, I watched that entire game. LSU was doing really well, and then Michigan did a great job taking the momentum back. LSU was the more athletic team, and that's against a one seed yep. Michigan. Um, obviously, Illinois was not as athletic as an eight seed Loyola of Chicago. Yep. I mean, that's a you know, that, again, the conference plays the way they do, and you're going to recruit in the the region, and and you're going to recruit to the caliber of kids there, and so it's not really a knock, but last week they haven't won a championship since 2000 there could be a little something to that and we talked about it if they didn't win it this year 
with five teams seated in the top five teams that were at least seated to get to the sweet 16 and four teams between one and two seeds. And they're down to one team left with 16 yep. to go. And they, if Michigan doesn't somehow pull this miracle off yep. at this point, and I would, even though they're a one, I'd almost call it a miracle yep. now. They're looking at, I mean, when are they ever going to win it again? Because it couldn't have set up better this year. So it's a no, bit it's of a true. And, and you know, it's something else that I noticed. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about this, but, you know, let's say, let's say you're Ohio State. All right. You're, you're a two seed. You had a great season. You're playing a 15 seed Oral Roberts. Honestly, are, are you really looking for that game? I mean, are you really truly preparing for that game the way that you should be? And, you, you know, yeah, you had time to prepare, you know, because I'm looking at this. If I'm Ohio State, I'm saying, OK, you know what? It looks like I'm going to be playing uh, Florida in the second round. I'm looking to that game. I'm not looking to the 15 seed Oral Roberts, whereas Oral Roberts yeah. is putting everything that they can into this Ohio State. They're they're studying them backwards mm-hmm. and forward. As soon as they find out that's who they're playing, they are grilling, they're practicing, they're they're doing everything that they can to prepare for this. So that's another question. You know, you know, initially I think these teams are not preparing themselves, some of these higher seated teams, which is how a team like that or a team like Texas can go out there and lose. But even in the second round, you know, you're looking at, at these teams and you're saying, okay, you know what? They only have 48 hours or less than 48 hours to prepare. So, you know, is, is that lack of preparation time, does that help the smaller team, the lower, the, the higher ranked team that's coming into this game versus the, the better team that should win? Uh, you know, I don't know, but I know thinking back 20 years ago, even I, I recall vividly conversations coming up when you get some of these small yeah. schools, you'll hear head coaches say, I don't even have enough tape mm-hmm. on this team right? because this was pre everything being on TV. Now, even like Oral Roberts has games yeah. on TV because of the nature oh, yeah. of today. Oh, yeah. um, so I think 20 years ago, there was more validity to that where a Kansas is facing Eastern Washington going, I don't even have right. any tape on this team. I don't think that's the case anymore. I mean, I, I think the beauty of March Madness is that teams get picked off. I mean, this year was was littered with upsets. Um, you know, there was a we just talked about it. There was a million of them. And I don't want to just pick on the Big Ten for being unathletic yep. because here's another team from the ACC. Yep. Virginia, a very yep. boomer bust team. I picked Ohio to beat them. And I picked Ohio to beat them simply because, yeah, I heard they were pretty good, even though right. I've never seen them play. But Virginia's style is also recruits that are similar mm-hmm. to the Big Ten. They're big bodied centers. They're a little yep. slower. They shoot. They, you know, they play that kind of like they, they grind you in the 50s yep. and 60s. They, they're, they're very high IQ players. They play good defense, but they get into these low scoring games. And in the tournament, it's hard to win in the 50s yep. and 60s. It's That's not so easy to do. And so they're ripe to be upset every year. So if you think about Virginia's history, yes, they won a title two years ago. They also lost yep. to a 16. Now they yep. lost to a 13. And they've lost a lot of these first and second round matchups that they're supposed to be the better team. I just think when you're not the most athletic team in the game, that's a tougher spot to be the favorite in. That's not what you would think would be the case. So, well, you also have to remember um, that their coach, I mean, he played at Wisconsin. His his father was the coach at Wisconsin. So he grew up in the Big Ten also. 
Yeah. Well, they, they, you could drop Virginia in the Big Ten. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. Right there's absolutely no doubt. Yeah. So that, you know. that, that makes sense. And they're a great and they're a great program. They I, are. I don't want to knock them. I mean, God, most most schools would settle for being a top yep. four seed every year. And, and he put Virginia back on the map because, let's face it, prior to him getting there, Virginia was not a very good basketball right. team for a while. Um, so nothing to knock. I mean, it's just those type of teams. And then the flip side to that is Syracuse. Yeah. That two three zone, no matter what type yeah. of seed they go in as, they have long, fairly yeah. athletic players. That two three zone is a nightmare for teams because you cannot replicate it in practice because you can't you you can play a two three zone in practice, but Syracuse plays it better than you're yeah. gonna ever play it in practice because they do it yeah. for a yeah. living <laughs> every week, every day. And they do it with very long guards. If you look at Bayheim, he's got mm-hmm. his son who's six yep. six playing the two. And they always have very long forwards and you can't throw over the top of it. And so it becomes a challenge. And so here they are again as an 11 seed. They pummel a six seed in the first round. They get by West Virginia as a three in the second round. And to me, they're a very hot, likely team to pull off the next upset over Houston because they're built for the tournament. So, you know, they're kind of the flip side of the Big Ten in Virginia. They're they're built for these these runs. It's it's true. It's true. Let's let's get into a little – a little sweet 16 preview. I mean, I think there's some really, really good games. You know, I'm looking through this and I'm like, I'm like, all right, are there any gimme games? And I, I, I think there's not many. There's really not many. I think maybe there's one that you can just say. I, I, I think we could, let's start with the West. And I, I think that the most obvious gimme game is Creighton, which is number five seed versus Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga is just beating the crap out of everybody. And this team is on a mission. They're still undefeated. They're, you know, there's not a whole lot that's standing in front of them to get to the Final Four. Do you see any reason why Gonzaga is not gonna is not gonna win this game and win it probably pretty easily? I, I think Gonzaga's biggest opponent yeah, yeah. is Gonzaga, and it's gonna be how much the pressure of an undefeated yep. season mounts on them. And so from here on out, they could lose to anyone if they quite honestly choke and the pressure gets to them. And uh, the old adage is you don't want to go into the tournament undefeated because the pressure is really ridiculous. And that coach has got to feel it because he's never won. So do I, would I be stunned if Creighton beats them? I would not be stunned because Gonzaga doesn't have a good track record in the tournament. And I think the pressure is going to start to really mount on them. Are they the best team? Yes, they're the best team. But how often do, you know, they're undefeated. I think it's, I think it's a tricky spot. I saw Creighton play. Creighton can play fast. Creighton can score. I, I don't think it's a no-brainer, but I understand why, you know, for two games, yeah. Gonzaga's looked great. Um, but I would, if I'm ranking the, the most likely wins, that wouldn't be who I'd have number one. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's, let's stay in, let's stay in that bracket because each, each, each bracket has four teams left. The other one in that bracket, which I think is a, is a great matchup and, and something we really didn't talk about Oregon, the seven seed versus UC USC, the six seed. And we didn't even mention how the PAC 10 has just outperformed every other conference. And that was not expected because everybody always thinks the PAC 10 is just, is kind of a joke, you know, kind of the weakest of the, of the big conferences when it comes to basketball. And uh, this could be an interesting matchup. Now they, they played during the regular season, didn't they? They only played once. They, I thought I looked at the matchup and said, Oh, a nice little sweet 16 division conference rival. 
they only played once. They were canceled once, and they didn't meet in their conference tournament. Um, USC, I think, beat up Oregon yep. at home one game. But I actually would take Oregon this time. I think Oregon's just – I think they're just a little bit better. But there's nothing not to like about USC. USC yeah. pummeled Drake and yeah. then pummeled Kansas. So if you're talking about, like, there's nothing not to like about Oregon or USC. Um, you know, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely looking matchup. forward to it. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. And then the other half of that large bracket, you've got uh, Villanova, the number five seed, versus is the number one seed, Baylor. Baylor. Baylor was undefeated for a long time during the season. I know they had a couple late season uh, losses. But Nova is one that's really surprised me because I know they lost their star point guard. And their team has really, really stepped it up. And they, they're playing some really good ball right now. Yeah, so Villanova is is a team that has now built a brand yeah. of winning at the, in the tournament. That, co- that coach is a, is a really battle-tested team. I mean, Villanova's won two titles. What, Something in the last like that, yeah. Six years, yeah. seven years. Um, they've, you know, they've obviously dominated the new Big East um, and been the perennial top team. So they come in as a five. They're a little under the radar. They have the injury, but they come into March and they beat a gamely Winthrop team, right. which wasn't an easy 5-12. Then they get a little bit of a gift getting that's North right. Texas instead of Purdue. That so that's beneficial to them. Yep. And they pummel yep. them like they should. Um, and they get an interesting team in Baylor. Is Baylor the better team? Yes. Is Villanova also dealing with injuries? Yes. It's weird when the one team – is not the battle-tested perennial winner, and it's the five that is. So I think it's interesting how Baylor handles being the favorite in a game where the other team, if things start to go wrong, is going to be more confident yeah. than Baylor is. You know what I mean? Like, Baylor's a little happy to be there. They're not yep. used to being a one seed. It's role reversal. So I think it's an interesting and a tricky spot. Um I would lean towards Baylor, but I, I would put it on upset watch. I wouldn't be stunned if Villanova could pull it well, off. I'm just hoping for a good game. I'm hoping for a good game. I think that uh, I, I don't really know what to expect out of Nova. I know that Baylor has some really, really athletic guys. But uh, like anything else, let's just hope for a good game. But I, I, I also think that, that Baylor is is probably going to win this one. And then the other one, although, although I'd love to see this one turn a certain way, I mean, we've got Oral Roberts, a 15 seed versus Arkansas, a three seed. And, you know, and, and every time I think that Arkansas isn't very good, they just pull out victories. And, uh, you know, to see, it's been fun seeing that a 15 seed gets to the Sweet 16. Is this the year we finally see a 15 seed actually get to the Elite Eight? I, I can't see it. Um, I w- I'll be pulling for them. Um, it's a great story, but I think as the adage goes, the Cinderella Cinderella is going to lose the slipper at midnight. I don't think I, I just don't. I think usually when so every once in a while you get a bad sweet 16 matchup and it usually is because you get a big, yeah. big upset in there and then they just kind of hit a wall. I think what happens a lot of times, Oral Roberts has now spent a week being like on the back page yep. of every local newspaper. They're being celebrated for a week for an incredible achievement. And they're just so ecstatic oh, yeah. to be to this point that sometimes you see blowouts in these type of games because they've hit their wall. They've, they've done the maximum they can do, and now they just get the doors blown off them. 
So if I had to predict, I'd say you're looking at of all the games you may want to turn off by yeah, halftime. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand. I, and I, I agree. I agree. I, I think this one is a pretty a pretty easy call, unfortunately. Let's move over to the the Midwest and uh, an interesting matchup. Oregon State, who was a 12 seed, but if I'm not mistaken, they did win the Pac-10 or Pac-12 tournament versus Loyola, an eight seed. Loyola is just, man, these, this team just won't go away. Yeah, Oregon State entered Pac-12 tournament 13 and 12 yep. and needed to yep. win out to get in. And they won yep. three games in three days. They beat they beat pretty much every team that's in the they beat pretty much every team that's in the tournament still alive. They had to beat they had to go through UCLA. I think they had to go through Oregon. Mm-hmm. I think they had to go through USC. Some combination of those teams. So we know they had to earn it. Um, and then they proceeded to not only beat the yep. five seed Tennessee handily. They also beat the handily. four seed Oklahoma right. State handily. <laughs> so I mean, they're, they're, they're just a red great team. Hot. Yeah. And so what? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're just red hot. They look Georgetown and Oregon State were similar, but Georgetown yep. crapped out right away, and Oregon State has stayed on fire. You never know when a team gets hot late. That's right. How they go into the tournament, um, and how it translates. Uh, this is such a good yeah. matchup, just in terms of the red hot big Power Five school against maybe clearly what is the most underseeded yep. eight seed yeah. in Loyola, right? They got a backcourt to die for. They're athletic. They, they're confident. And they're tough. Yeah. This is a good matchup. I like Loyola to win, but this yeah, could be a good I, matchup. Yeah, you know what? I don't even know which way to go on this thing. And every time I figure, I think I'm going one way, I'm going the other way. And, you know, and I, I had thought that Georgetown was going to perform better, and they just got destroyed. So... This is a this is a tough one to call, and you got that that hundred and one year old uh, nun over at Loyola that predicted them to go to the Final Four. And man, I hate I hate to go against her, but um, you know I, I I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have to go with Loyola. So I think that's the that's a good pick. But yeah, I think this is another game that should be a great great game. And then and then the other game in that in that region I think is another game that could be really great. And that's the surprise. Well, the surprise or not surprise, Syracuse at eleven versus the number two ranked Houston. And, and I, I, I look at this matchup still a little like Villanova Baylor. Now Baylor is clearly the better team in that game, but I look at it similarly in that Syracuse is much more of the brand, much more of the household name, been here, done it before. Bayheim's won a lot. Houston is is really not used to being a one or two seed. They're from a good conference, but not a great conference. And I think this is a matchup where the talent disparity isn't even yeah. as close. Yeah. It's close anyway. So where Baylor is clearly better than Villanova and Villanova is dealing with an injury, this game to me, I'm going to call the upset for Syracuse because I just think yep. the zone is a problem. Syracuse is on a roll. The kid Bayheim's son is yeah, he's shooting that. out of his mind. Um, and, you know, so you got the – you always have the one kid in March that becomes a household name. This year, Buddy Bayheim is the household name. A 6-6, a 6-6 wing who could shoot over the top of a defense. And that zone, and I just think this could be a little of a – you know, listen, let's face it, if Syracuse gets by this game – you can make the case they're the favorite to get to the final four over Loyola or Oregon state at best. It's a coin flip. So they're starting to believe and feel like this could be a little Cinderella season. 
Um, and they've done it before. So I'm going to add an 11 seed, man. That would be, that would be really, really impressive. You know, it's, it's really, really tough. I mean, Houston, Houston does not play in a big conference. So, you know, so when, when you look at their record and you see how much success they've had to me, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. Um, And I don't think that they've done anything particularly outstanding in this tournament, but I, I have a feeling that, that they're going to put it together and I think Houston is actually going to, I think it's going to be a fantastic game, but I think Houston is going to pull out with some, some athleticism um, in the end and, and probably win this thing at the, you know, like, uh, like last possession kind of thing. But I think it'll be, I think it'll be a great game. Uh, last, last one we need to walk over to is um, the East, which is you've got, you've got FSU an athletic FSU team, which is ranked number four versus the unbelievably only Big Ten team left in Michigan. This is an interesting matchup. Yeah, and yeah. I railed on the Big Ten, and as a Notre Dame fan, <laughs> I hate Michigan. But I think Michigan surviving the yeah. way they did against LSU, I think has got a little something left in the tank. And I think they're rejuvenating. I think every one seed yeah. has to get that test early, and it's beneficial to them later. And I think that LSU pushing them the way they did, trailing at halftime, having to play and grid out a win is going to make them very tough. I actually think they're going to handle Florida State fairly easily. I've seen Florida State play. Florida State can go in long droughts without scoring. And I don't think that's a recipe to beat Michigan. So I think Michigan actually wins this game more comfortably than most people. Interesting. Because, you know, Florida State, you know, They've played well. I mean, their last matchup, they they really, really put a put a put a hurting out there. So it's it's a tough call. I think Michigan is also going to put it together. I think they're they're representing the Big Ten. I think they got a lot of pressure, and and I think they're able to handle it. They're they, you know they're they're a a team that that overperformed all season long, and like you said, they're they're you know they had that scare. So now I think they're back in in control. So I, I like Michigan in that one too. And then the last one is a really, really good 11-seeded UCLA team versus number two Alabama. And this one is the matchup I will play. I am completely ignorant because I haven't seen UCLA play. I didn't get to catch any. Actually, I caught a little of the play-in game because UCLA had to play in and made a big comeback to beat Michigan State. So UCLA is on a three-game winning streak in the tournament already. Um, they had a, it was a game comeback to beat Michigan State, a tough tournament team themselves, and then they handle BYU and then handle Abilene Christian, which they caught the benefit of a big upset themselves. Which you know what? That's what you sometimes need. Um, you know, you when you see the double digit seeds get there, That's sometimes right. they catch a break themselves. I think Alabama is a uniquely dangerous tournament team. They can score a ton if they need to. They're athletic. They got guards. Alabama's been moving to a little bit more of a uh, if it wasn't for the powerhouse they are in football I think you'd hear about them in basketball a little more they're getting better and better Um, I think this is a tough spot for UCLA I think Alabama and Michigan are are headed for what could be a great elite eight so I kind of like in my ranking of of like most confident picks I I would put Alabama at the you know near the top after the oral Roberts. you know it's funny because everybody was thinking that Michigan would be the number one team that would be exiting the, the soonest. 
And according to what we're saying, that is actually the only bracket, the Eastern bracket is the only one that's going to have the one versus two playing for the final four. Interesting. Yeah, the brackets are wild, except I think that I, I think it will too. Yeah, I agree I with that. I think it I think it will too. So that's uh so so we'll see. We'll see. And then and then we gotta you know, going from there, uh we'll we'll just have to see what happens. But it should be a, a great, great weekend of college basketball. I, I just I wanna see some some good games. That's what I wanna see. I just wanna you know I wanna see some, some close <laughs> games. Exactly. And you know, we haven't had the one thing you usually always can yep. bank on. We've had the upsets. We've had a ton of them, more than more than most years, or at least um, I remember talking to you earlier about the stat. It's the largest um, combination of rankings to make the Sweet 16 of all time. So when you add yeah. up all the seeds, it adds up to, I think, 95, which okay. is the all-time record. Previously, it was 1986. So the record stood for 30-plus wow. years. Um, and this year it broke it. So you have the most combination of upsets into the Sweet 16 of all time, um, which is which is awesome. But the tournament is missing one thing. You haven't had the buzzer beater. It happens That's like true. almost every year. It you it usually happens yeah, yeah. in the first couple rounds. So maybe maybe we're holding it back for the later rounds, yeah. which would make it even more special. But we have not had the buzzer beater. We haven't had the moment right. So I don't know if it's going to happen. We've definitely had a lot of good moments, but I'm, I'm waiting for the uh, – maybe it's Buddy Bayheim deep in a corner, but I'm waiting for that three-pointer buzzer beater or that last-second buzzer yep. beater. We're missing that. Yeah. That's what I'd like to see this weekend. I hope so. I hope so because that would uh, – that, that, I, I see, I, I see the, some of these games coming down to that last possession. So hopefully that's all it takes. But, but you know, regardless, it's going to be a great weekend of basketball. You know, Phil, with with all of this NCAA tournament stuff going on, is there even anything else going on in the sports world that's interesting? Uh, you know, things do s- seemingly stop for that two week period in March. <laughs> um, you know, where you get to you get to enjoy a little craziness, and uh, it's also the calm before the storm, right? No baseball yet. We're getting close. You know, football free agency, we could touch on. We, we did a little bit before, but it, it's March Madness for a reason. That's why they call it. It's a good, it's good branding. Well, you know what I think I'd like to talk about a little bit? I'd like to get a little bit into baseball because, yeah, we are, what are we, a week away from, uh, from opening day? I mean, that, that's exciting every year because you've got basically, you know, how many, how many, how many teams are there now? 30 or is it 30 or 32 in the, uh, in baseball? I can't even remember. 30, 32. Okay. So it's 30. So you've actually got 30 legions of fans that are optimistic in some aspect for this season, you know? And it, uh, oh, come on, come on. I mean, even me with the team that has a 0% chance of making the playoffs, the worst team in baseball I'm even optimistic. Not that the team is going to play well this year, but I'm optimistic about some of the younger guys getting a chance and seeing what they're about. You know, now granted, are they going to be any good? Probably not, but still, still, I think that that's interesting. So, my question for you with only, you know, less than a week left of spring training, do we actually learn anything from spring training? I don't think there's a single thing that can be learned from spring training, but <laughs> I just don't. But uh, it, it does 
does give about a 30, 35 day window for injuries to pop up and drastically, uh, drastically change the optimism going into April. So um, I know, you know, there's been a couple of big ones. I know the White Sox, big slugger, one of their big young outfielders suffered a big injury. I know the, uh, the, the Blue Jays have a few that are, that creeped up. So, you know, I think that's what spring is. Can you survive spring with yeah. health and actually bring the club you plan to bring on April the 1st? Can you actually bring them up and, and start the season feeling good? Yeah, that's the real question because, I mean, there's just a handful of spring training games. I mean, at most, a guy's going to get, uh, what, 50 at-bats, maybe, something like that. So every year we see it. Like, we, you can look at the stats for spring training. You can see, wow, this guy is crushing it. He's got, like, 20 RBIs in 13 games, and and then he doesn't make the team, you know? So you just – you just – you never know. I mean, I, I kind of look at spring training like it's just practice against other teams. That's all it is, you know? It's so guys – so pitchers can try out new things and work on their timing, and hitters can – can practice maybe different swings and things that they've been learning. And that's kind of how I see spring training. So, you know, it's exciting. I think spring training is exciting only in the fact that it just helps to develop that anticipation for the season because you you virtually get nothing out of spring training. Although every now and then you do hear something great, you know, like a guy who's who, you know, like, like Matt Harvey, for example, who, who was so great when he first came up with, with your Mets. And we thought he was like the next big thing. And, and then he just, I don't even know what happened. He, he had Tommy John surgery and then he just, his, his velocity went down and he couldn't, he just couldn't pitch and his ERA has steadily been progressing. And, and here he is, the Orioles signed him to a, a spring training deal. And yesterday they announced that he actually made the team. They think that he had, they have, some of his his issues fixed, and his uh, his volume his his not his volume his uh, his fastball has actually been clocked at up to ninety five. So you know that's the kind of thing that I like about spring training when you when you see some of those those long shots that make the team or maybe some of those guys that that haven't played well and all of a sudden they figure out a way to put enough together that they get another shot in the in baseball. Yeah, no, Harvey. Listen, Matt Harvey is uh, is a good story. There's always a few of those that that come and creep up in uh, different seasons. The, the funny little side note on Matt Harvey is the Tommy John surgery is probably not what did him in. He bounced back from that. the uh, The surgery that did him in was that thoracic outlet. He had thoracic outlet syndrome. He had to have surgery. Um, and it's, I forget exactly what it is, but it's a, it's a complicated surgery and the few players, particularly pitchers that have had it have never come back from it successfully. So it's interesting. Like Tommy John, they've now mastered, like you come back, you sit out your year, you sometimes come back throwing harder than ever, but this thoracic outlet surgery that he had, uh, that he had uh, apparently is just, um, it's a real issue. Um, and it, 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 it tends to lead to other injuries. So I know he never bounced back from that surgery. Yeah. Um, so and he's, he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. I mean, he's pitching for a, a bad team. So you'd like to think he'll get a lot of chances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he won't be, he's not on a contender that's going to have a short, 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 short uh, hook with him. So hopefully he bounces back and it's a good story. So there's, there's a few of those out yeah, there. Yeah. I think those are exciting. The, the two things that I wanted to talk to you about is, I think everybody can agree there's there's really two front runners to 
to make it to the World Series this year. And I think the two front runners end up being, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but but I'm saying the Dodgers and and the Yankees. You know, those are the two teams that are that are really really good supposedly. So what I wanted to ask you is this, and I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to to think about this logically, and you know I, I I'm watching. I'm watching spring training and I see that the Yankees guys, their big hitters are healthy, which is judge and Stanton. So, you know, what are the odds that those two guys actually stay healthy for a year? Because to me, if those guys stay healthy, they could combine. I mean, they could hit a hundred home runs, just the two of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been the dream for Yankee fans is to have them both in the lineup um, healthy for a whole season. I don't think they've come close to that right. yet. Um, you know, so it, yeah, that'll be interesting. I, I think I think what I think what you stated was fair that the the Dodgers and the Yankees are the favorites to get yeah. there. I think the interesting thing is the Dodgers are the far and away best team in baseball, yep. playing in the far and away toughest league of the two, and the division has got you know uh, the Padres and what have you. So I think. I think their battle is tougher just because they have more tough teams to go through. I think the Yankees are a, a notch below them, but have a very, what looks to be a very bad league. The American league looks to be a, a, a solid notch below the national league. So their road through should be easier. So it'll be interesting. I know we'll do a lot of it next, next week when we do a baseball show, but It'll be interesting, but they are the two front runners. Oh, they are, sure. they definitely are. And I want to—I just wanted to ask you about the Dodgers really quick and get your your thoughts because they've got a they've got a really nice rotation, a nice team overall. But I wanted to ask you about Trevor Bauer, and I know that you and I have had some 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 talks about Trevor Bauer, and and I've read some articles about him about how he's been pitching with one eye open to try to help him. I I don't even understand the whole logic behind that, and he's like hitting guys left and right. Um, but they're paying this guy a lot of money. And, you know, to me, I look at him and I'm like, okay, you know, is this guy a good pitcher? He's a good pitcher. Is he that great of a pitcher? I just, to me, the body of work isn't there to justify this. And I, and I know that I think you and I have some, some different views about this. But, you know, when, when we go back and, and we look at his overall numbers, you know, I mean, back in, in 2017, when he was with Cleveland, he was 17 and nine with a four ERA. And since then, he's been all over the place. You know, he's, you know, you know, last year in that abbreviated 11 games, he, you know, he was five and four with a 1.73 ERA. But before that, with Cleveland and Cincinnati, you know, he was 11 and 13 with an ERA that was over four. So. Here's my here's my issue. You know, you've got any, any pitcher can have a dominant 11 game stretch. It happens all the time. All right. Is this guy is his 11 game stretch proving to us that this guy is a number one starter worth 40 million dollars a year? I personally don't see it. But what are you what do you what do you think about that? I mean, should that team have given him and I know it's a short term deal, but should they have given him that much money for a guy that's that's truly in my mind hasn't proven himself? Yeah, Trevor Bauer's interesting. I think maybe three things could be true at once. He's definitely not proven to be worth anywhere near forty million right. a year. Um I also think, you know, you're buying 
on the potential that he's now entering his right. prime. And so you're buying on the promise that what you see of late is he's ascending yep. and you're not paying for past performance. Some free agents, we know you're almost buying their previous yep. record. Um, so I think that's, that's a piece to the equation. But I also think what also could be true is he could flourish in the particular team he went to because you mentioned, is he an ace? Yeah. On the Dodgers, he doesn't have That's to That's true. Be. And on the Dodgers, if he pitches, I mean, there's, there's still Kershaw, there's still uh, Walker Bueller, and there's, I don't know, the most juggernaut offense in baseball. So could he struggle early and still build confidence and pick up wins and end up, you know, accelerating into what might have been a not so great year? on other teams and then end up being a good year there. He just went, I think to the right organization for him, especially if he doesn't get off to a great start. Um, And the Mets were the, were the runners up. And I think, you know, there was a, uh, I think he calculated, uh, you know, that there was a higher uh, probably risk reward going to the Mets. If he, if he succeeded there, he's like a king. Um, and New York fans are just going to you know, put you on a pedestal and he would have been probably even gotten more out of yeah. that. But he went to nice sleepy LA where they're not the, it's a good sports town. It's not a great sports town. Um, they've won a title. I think he gets a little more forgiveness if he struggles. So I, I, I think I look at Trevor Bauer as somebody that's definitely not worth 40 yeah. million. And I don't think he's deaf. I, I definitely don't see that he's an ace as of yeah. yet. Um, but I think he could have a monster year because of the team he ended up on. Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting. I, I look at it kind of like this, and it, it I think it shows you how how poor the pitching really is in baseball. When you know when mm-hmm. you're taking a guy who has an incredible and and in this case we call it a third of a year, and you give him that much money, you know, it, it, I feel like that's that's yeah. just that's just what it takes nowadays, and. And, you know, how, I mean, you can go back and you can name players all the time that have had that have had great one great, great year. And, and then they're just average the rest of their career. You know, it happens. It happens a well, lot. Yeah, no, there's one hit wonders. I mean, it, it does happen a lot. I, I would frame it like this, though. What Dodger pitcher is going to have a bad year on a team that's going to win 105 games? So. I mean, their actual over/under in Vegas is 104, 105 yeah. wins. If you're if you're pitching on that staff, where are the losses coming from? So that's I true. Mean, if you could pitch to a reasonable ERA, if Trevor Bauer could pitch to a three and a half ERA, yeah. that's probably going to come with 16 or 17 wins. I mean, just just because they're so dominant. So you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. But um, I think he hedged by getting the Dodgers involved. I think the more pressure position would have been going to the yeah. Mets. I think he took a lot of pressure off himself going out there. Well, so. you know what? I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one example. And, uh, and that's Rick Por- Porcello. Remember him from, uh, he was on the Tigers and then he went to Boston. He was a guy that had one great season, won a Cy Young, and that was it. You know, I know he got paid a lot of money too. So just even, even Cy Young winners, don't necessarily turn out to be great players, you know, and I can go back a little bit farther and I can pick out some other guys. Oh, too. Yeah. You know, that's, that's my oh, problem. Yeah. And that to me, that's how you know that things are getting out of control and that, that pitching is just such a valuable rare 
commodity nowadays that they're they're truly just you know you have one good season and we're going to throw boatloads of money at you so did you did you see what the Astros just paid Lance McCullers? Lance McCullers has had maybe one really good year. He's coming off some injuries. And the Astros, I know he's young. He's like 26 or 27, I think. They just paid him five years, $85 million. I, I did so, see that. I mean, if you, if you can pitch and you show promise, um, the money is there. I mean, they're really, it's just because there's just so few pitchers, especially high-end ceiling guys. So, it, you know, that is Trevor Bauer does have ace-like stuff, and that's where you get paid for it. So it'll be interesting to see what, like, a Noah Syndergaard gets coming off Tommy John for the Mets. He's going to be a free agent after this year. Yeah. And he's coming off Tommy John. If not for Tommy John, they were talking about having to pay him, you know, $25, 30000000 million a year. Um, and he's been good but not great in his yep. career, but he has ace-like yep. stuff. And so you you pay for that. Well, so. you know, it's 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 interesting when you look at, at McCullers, um, you know, who got who got so much so much money. Um, you know, if you look at his years, yeah, he's a young guy. I mean, the most wins he's had in a season is ten. You know, his lowest ERA that he's mm-hmm. had was uh three point two two. I mean, that's it. Um so it, it's one of those things, man. I, I, I don't get it, but it, it falls right into to what we were saying. So interesting stuff. And we'll definitely get into more baseball next week. Um, just wanted to kind of talk about NFL really quickly. I know there's a, there's a bunch of things that you can, you can always talk about. Um, but I wanted to talk about, again, about Deshaun Watson. And, you know, <laughs> I'm putting, I'm trying to put my head around this whole thing. I mean, he's literally, I mean, he literally has like 4,000 women that have come, that have come forward. Um, and it's, it, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. I just, uh, I just don't, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know what to think. I mean, you know, is it a, I mean, listen, innocent until proven guilty, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to, but it's just, it's not one woman coming forward. I mean, it's, it's literally when this is all said and done, I mean, it can be over 20 women coming forward and, you know, at least there, there's either an issue or all these women are colluding together because this guy just got a monster deal. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a dicey subject. You never want to you never want to assign guilt to anyone until you know they're heard and and uh, you get all the details. I mean, it's a lot of people saying very very similar stories. Um, it's not looking too good for Deshaun Watson, who I thought about three months ago or two months ago was, uh, was heavy handedly pushing his way out of Houston. And now he may not have any cards. So mm. It's amazing what a, what a couple months holds. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of teams around the NFL going, thank God we didn't just trade four first round picks for him. Yeah, seriously. Right. I mean, I... you know, cause that was on the verge of happening for our jets and many other teams that it sounded like would line up for that chance. So, yeah. I don't know how much, you know, we could talk. It's If it's true what he's doing, he is like a, a, a predator. I mean, he's literally going around um, preying on young female masseuses. Yeah. I mean, so if, if it's true, it's horrific. If it's a big scandal, um, you know, <laughs> out to get him and it's not true, then that's also just as yep. horrific. It's equally horrific. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, I'll keep an open mind, but it does not look good. There's a lot of people coming out. It, it, there's a particular, there was one particular story that stood out worse yeah. than others. And uh, I don't want to get into the details. It's kind of yeah, disgusting, yeah. but um, it, it just, it, it seemed to resonate even more to back up the fact that all these other stories are probably true. Um, but we'll see. It's, it's, again, it's, it's not a good, uh, not a good month for Deshaun. No, no. And, and you know what, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. You know, if you say, Hey, you know what? I never did this. And then you can see some of the email, not the email, some of the texts that went back and forth about how he's saying, you know, I apologize if I made you feel uncomfortable. And, and supposedly there were a lot of texts going one direction from him to somebody else. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say that it didn't happen when, when he's sending something, that's apologizing, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not right. Gonna, he, yeah. Right. He's feeling some some semblance of guilt, whether it's as as bad as some of the stories are or not. It, it assigns at least some some measure that he did something wrong, which is really going to kill him in the court of public. Opinion. Exactly. Exactly. So which is really what this is all about, by the way, because he's got the money to settle or he's got the money to deal with the civil mm-hmm. suits. It's the court of public opinion, and then it's the pressure that teams have to just cut bait. Right, right, right. You know, because he's a 25-year-old star quarterback. Nobody from a business decision is going to want to cut cut ties with him. But if he becomes so toxic, then then that's where that happens. Yeah, I mean, you're, so. you're talking about protests, and you're talking about uh, all kinds of other things. And, you know, and and if if the NFL hasn't, hasn't shown us anything, I mean, they, they've shown us – how they deal with with protests and and things like that and 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 I know they want to steer they want to steer clear of all that stuff um you know because the the let's be honest I mean the NFL does have their share of of challenges you know I mean you've got you know when when you've got teams that have that many players on them you know things are you know you've got a lot more people that you need to to kind of look out for you know it's not like it's not like basketball basketball's got 12 guys you know, so so exactly. there's just a lot more that can happen. And, uh, you know, it's 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 really, you know, whatever the case is, it's unfortunate. And I, and I know you and I have t- kind of talked about it. And, and to me, if if you're a professional athlete like that, you, I think you have a target on your back. And so whether you're a, a, an up and up person or not, it doesn't really make a difference. You know, people are going to be after you. And so I think the best thing to do is not put yourself in any types of situations that could get you into trouble, you know, because you just, you know, may, may, let's, let's say he did nothing and somebody came out and said all that stuff to him. Well, you know what? Look, look at what's happening. Maybe somebody, let's say it was one person and she's just coming after him for money. Well, now it's a, a he said, she said, and what do you do in that case? So to me, you just, you don't put yourself in that situation and then you don't have to worry about it. And I'm not saying that, that, you know, it's anybody's fault. I'm not, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, you just got to be more careful as to what you, what you do. You know, like you're a pro athlete, you hear that all the time about guys going out to clubs and they're out at three o'clock in the morning and then they get into this big fight. Like, what are you doing out at three o'clock in the morning? Nothing good happens at three o'clock in the morning. You know, you got, you know, you got, you got people that they, they have their beer muscles on and they're, you know, oh, you're a pro athlete. You're not so tough. Next thing you know, you're fighting with them or somebody pulls out a gun or, I mean, God only knows what happens, but just don't put yourself in that situation. That's, that's, that's all that, that that's my thought with this entire thing. And then these things wouldn't happen. And, and, and 
in my in my guess. Yeah, I mean, I do think you got to be a little careful to to commingle Deshaun Watson's situation where he's seeking out these masseuses yeah. for what is supposed to be just actual, Massage. like a real yeah. a real job, right? You're hiring the person for yeah. a job, and then and then you're pre- preying on them, which is very different than just like wrong place, wrong time. You have money, you're young, and you're being a little stupid. This is way more severe yep. than that. Um, this isn't Deshaun Watson getting caught in wrong place, wrong time. So I do think that's different. And I do think, I mean, as I talk about it more, you know, is it possible that 16 women are totally making this up? I guess. It could be. This is not, this is not going to probably end well for him. I would um, think so. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of smoke here. And where there's a lot of smoke, there tends to be yeah, fire. Yeah. So I don't, I, I, I don't think he's coming out squeaky clean in this. He is 25 and we're a country of forgiveness and given athletes that are talented, multiple chances. So if he owns it and there wasn't anything, be, you know, I don't know. It's tricky. We're in, we're also in 2021 where uh, there's a lot of people getting canceled for less things than this way less. So uh, this is going to be an interesting situation as it unfolds. I think the best thing for Deshaun Watson is that it's happening in the NFL's dead period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably the best possible scenario where the NFL actually is on the back burner right now. And so he gets months to figure this out and the NFL gets months to figure it out. Um, But the NFL better make a swift action when, when this finalizes, they can't, they can't go into September where he's just able to play. If all this is, is out there. Um, I think it'll be bad optic. So we'll see, but they got time. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, well, well, we'll just we'll just see what happens. You know, there was a uh, there hasn't been a Hall of Fame uh, death in a while, and uh, Elgin Baylor just died the other day. I don't know if you, I don't know how much you know about him, um, but you know, he played 14 years, went to eight finals. He was an 11-time All-Star, 10-time first-time uh, All-Star, which is pretty crazy. Uh, NCA. Uh, most outstanding player in the final four executive of the year. This is a guy that was a six, five. I don't know if he was a guard forward, whatever the case he was. He averaged 27.4 points and 13.5 rebounds a game for his career. Many people considered Elgin Baylor. There was people like NBA experts that considered him the best player of all time. Um, there are people that think that way about Elgin Baylor, not not after Jordan and all that, but I'm saying back in his day, um, he was that talented. So yeah, no, he's a winning player, a great player, um, and a good executive, right? I mean, he had some good success as an executive. Um, heck of a heck of a career, heck of a sports career and post sports career. Yeah, he definitely did. He definitely did, and I, I think it's one of those. It's one of those rare options. Um, those, those where those rare uh, not options, those rare times where where a guy is he makes that transition and becomes a, ses- a successful executive too. So, so interesting, uh, interesting stuff. And there's there's a lot more that we can talk about, but um, let's just let's just keep it at that. A couple things that I just wanted to mention is, um, you know, one of the things that 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 I've always said, and, and I'm sure that I've said it to you before in the past is, you know, when you have these, these athletes that make tons and tons of money and they build these just monstrous houses for millions and millions of dollars, you know, like I remember this from years ago with Evander Holyfield, right? He was going bankrupt. He couldn't pay his mortgage anymore on his just ginormous house. 
and and I would and I, and I remember saying I remember saying to Trisha, I'm like, you know what? That's why it doesn't matter how much money you have, you don't ever ever build a house like this. You don't ever because the amount of people that can actually buy it is so so small. You know, like Michael Jordan, he's got his his huge huge house in Chicago that's been sitting on the market for like nine years. Now you've got another guy, uh, Derek Jeter, right? He built um, back in the oh god, it must have been the the must have been around like like a dozen years ago. He built this monstrous mansion in Tampa, and it's it's on the market right now for twenty nine million dollars. Can't find a buyer. Can't find a buyer. You know, so. <laughs> I'll, I'll never understand. And, and, that, and I think that's a lesson learned to some of these people. You know, you get your, I think it also depends on where it is. Um, you know, like if this, if this mm-hmm. is, you know, if he's building a $29 million mansion on the coast in California, eh, that's one thing. But in Tampa, $29 million, I mean, there's really only a few people that can even, you know, first off, that want to live in Tampa. And two that have enough money to buy that mansion. So um, I thought that was really interesting, and and it seems like more and more guys are doing this, and it, it seems like they're going to have bad results in the end when they want to get rid of these things. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either that that they they come along and they build things that are just completely completely above and beyond what what the market value in the area is or what have you i know some of these properties are unique and they're all unique but i think it's funny also when you get like the the real big guys that do it like a shaquille o'neal where he makes everything like you know 20 feet high and so it could fit like a giant man and then you're trying to sell it to regular people (laughs) it's always kind of funny to me it's stuff like that you know or, or, or like the triple indoor basketball courts where even though that's great for yep. you, who the heck wants three basketball courts? Exactly. So it's, it's, it's exactly. Kind of nobody, nobody really thinks about that, you know? So I, I always thought that was interesting. Now, for, uh, to celebrate Easter, which is coming up soon, are you going to be drinking any Peeps-flavored Pepsis? Oh, my gosh. Is that actually a thing? Yeah. peeps peeps flavor. oh i don't like peeps at all by the way i think they're the grossest thing Pepsi. ever. yeah so yeah. that's funny wow yeah isn't that isn't that odd i i i heard that and that i mean listen i don't drink soda but if i did i would try it uh i would not and i think <laughs> Peep, peeps flavored soda baby yeah because right. we'll put anything there's in not enough sugar so you got to add some more so that's interesting <laughs> And for a second, though, I just think about soda with just a few peeps at the bottom of it just floating. Yeah. There. I don't think of it as actually flavored. I think it's just a few peeps drowning in their coconut. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. So That's interesting. Funny. And then I got one more thing that I wanted to mention to you. I, I read this this morning. San Francisco is actually giving 130 artists $1,000 a month uh, for the next, I don't know, six months or so in an effort to help. And this is a quote our creative sector get through this challenging time and come back even stronger. Listen, that's a lovely thing that they're doing, but maybe if they opened up their city, they wouldn't have to give people. So that's what I don't get. Is there not a better way to do things than just handouts? Like, why don't we open things back up so that people can work and make money again? You know that? I mean, I, I am I wrong here? I mean, 
that's a conversation oh. for another day, but it's ironic that the city in the brokest state is the brokest city yeah, handing out a thousand bucks to a thousand people. But you know, maybe they can get Uncle B- Bezos to come along and just, I don't know, rebuild California properly with his trillions or whatever he's got because, uh, I don't know. California is an interesting situation. Maybe, maybe re- an ugly, it's an ugly situation. What do you think there. like renaming it Amazonian? I, I mean, why Amazonia? Can't it be? Amazonia. Why can't it yeah, be? I live in Am- Amazonia. At, at least San Francisco could become, you know, Amazon Cisco. I don't know. They can come up yeah, with something. Who even knows? Who even knows? Except there's already a you know you don't need San there's Francisco. already a company named Cisco, so we can't go that way, but. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. True. So anyway, anyway, good stuff, my man. Good stuff as always. I uh, I hope everybody enjoys the tournament this weekend. I know we will. And uh, and join us next week when we preview the baseball season, which is exciting, man. Yeah. I'm excited that it's baseball season preview. Yep. Uh, fantasy baseball. So we'll put it all together. Have one big baseball show next week. Nice. Be fun. Looking nice, forward nice. to it. So let's let's pull for Oral Roberts to make the final eight, first fifteen seed. But uh, other than that, hope everybody has a great, great weekend, and we'll look forward to catching up with everybody next week. Thanks.